Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Berry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Jeff Quinto. And my name's Pat Berry. Every so often, Jeff and I get together and talk about our, our walk with Jesus Christ. This week, we're talking about early Christians and what they did and how they responded to society. It was referred to as the way. That's what they called themselves, which was a very appropriate name. But we wanted to dig in a little bit further and just start at least with uh, how they got their name. So Jeff, how did they get their name? So we go now to the 14th chapter of John. The actual name comes in the sixth verse, but I'm starting at the first verse. So you get an idea as to the lead in to when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we start with the first verse. Hear the word of the Lord. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, but also believe in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are powerful words, wouldn't you say? Yes, they are. Now we know why they called themselves the way. Yes, the way. The way was the way of Jesus. He says, I am the way. Now, he doesn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life, which would be more common in today's society, not to want to be exclusive. But the fact is, in both the Greek and the English, Jesus says specifically, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he also says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Great point. Makes people a little bit uncomfortable, but... Um, that's not us talking, that's scripture. And if you look scripturally, that is what is said. So in order to have salvation, in order to know the Father, you have to go through Jesus Christ. Yeah, and this would seem to be exclusive and excluding so many people, but actually it's welcoming. It's welcoming because it provides a way. Without without Jesus, there's no way to the Father. There's no way for us as as sinners in the world to find the Father, to to live in eternity with the Father. We need Jesus to do that. We need the covering blood of Jesus to allow us to do that. So this is actually a welcoming verse. It should be thought of as that, not as something that is meant to exclude. It's meant to welcome. It's meant to show us a way, the way. It's just a way of looking at it, isn't it? It's, it's all, it's all, but it is all <laughs> mm-hmm. in perception. And, and I've had uh, multiple conversations with people, I'm sure you have also, about this very thing. And sometimes it's a little tough. Sometimes it, it, it upsets people. But it, it's not exclusive. It's an invitation. Now, you have to accept the invitation. But if you accept the invitation, it's open to everyone, regardless of who you are, where you are, what you've done. It doesn't matter. If you accept the invitation, eternal life and, and life abundant is, is yours, but you need to accept the invitation. Absolutely. You need to accept it. That's a, that's a great point. The other point I think I'd like to talk about just for a minute now is this idea that if I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, where does that put people who would have never heard of Jesus Christ? What would happen to them? Would they, would they just be set off into oblivion when they die, or what would it be? And I think the answer to that for me is this, because I know lots of, in particular, Muslim people who are very lovely people, but 
they do not know Jesus. And in many cases, they live in places where it's against the law to even speak of Jesus. So they don't have a way. They don't have a path to come to Jesus. So what will God do? I don't know. I'm not sure either. But you know what? A God that's smart enough, that knows enough to to bring the whole universe into, into, into being will figure out how to deal with those people in a fair way. It's not really our, our job to do that. It's God's job, and I have no doubt that he will do a great job. But, but we're in a different place. We are in a place where we do know Jesus. He's been presented to us. As you just said, Pat, we are invited. We are invited to eternal life through him. We can accept that invitation or we cannot accept it. It is interesting, but because everyone comes up with that example. Well, what about what about the people who have never heard? And I, I'm with you. I'm not sure what will happen, but I do trust that we have a loving, fair, just God who will will judge accordingly. Uh, and again, they don't have the people that we know that we're talking to. They don't have that excuse. Uh, well, they don't have to worry about that. Let's not worry about the the, the people who have never heard about it. Let's worry about the ones that are here now that are <laughs> that are hearing about it right now. So um, that's where I've tried to, to go with that. Yeah, we'll leave the rest of them to God, right? He's, right. Uh, um, he's the one that can figure that out. And he'll figure it out, I have no doubt, in a fair and good way. So here we are. We do know about this. Let's talk for a minute about early Christians because, of course, they were called the way. They said they were people of the way, and that was the way, really, this is, you got to remember, was before the church was so formalized. It was before the formal creeds, and people lived in this way, the people of the way, following Jesus, using his life and his words as a model to how they lived. And so it's important for us because, you know, it's it's no no secret, it's no uh, thing that we can't, all of us, believe that the, the church has come in, people have come in, and we've sort of, we've formalized it, we've humanized it. And In so doing, we have, I believe, taken Christianity from this more pure form to a more structured form, to a more human form. So the early Christians, these people as followers of the way, were closer to Jesus in both time and in the way they lived. And it's important to know how they lived. And one of the things that happened in the second century would have been within a hundred and some years of of the resurrection there was the first of the of several great plagues. And those great plagues, the first one was probably smallpox. We don't know for sure, but it was probably smallpox. And it, it killed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. It was so bad, actually, that the pagans, when someone got sick in the household, they would take them to the street to take them out of the house. And the people still living would be laying in the street in the process of dying, no one to look after them. But yet these followers of Jesus, these people following the way, would give them just rudimentary nursing. That is, they would feed them and they would give them water for their thirst. They would clean them up. Just that reduced the death toll by two-thirds. So we had a plague that was going to kill roughly a third of the people. And just by rudimentary nursing, we were able to save two-thirds of those people who would have otherwise been killed. So that means that instead of 33% of the populace being killed, the people who the 
people of the way, the Christians nursed to, only 11% of those died and 89% lived. And so you had this incredible thing. Now, because the Christians were nursing for each other, instead of a third of them dying because they died just like other people, only 11% of them died because they, were, they had access to this Christian nursing, this rudimentary Christian nursing. So now you have this this thing in the society where the pagans had nothing to fight back this plague. They just died. There was a a point in uh, one of the two plagues where 5,000 people a day in Rome were dying. Can you imagine? 5,000 a day. 5,000 a day. Now, Rome wasn't as big as it is now. So 5,000 people a day, can you imagine 5,000 people a day in any city, even the biggest in the world, would be shocking. And yet, here we have it, 5,000 people a day dying. So these plagues, the first one, we believe, was in the second century. We believe it was smallpox. Pat made a point earlier um, when he and I were talking that what happens in, in these different uh, uh, diseases, of course, that they didn't understand. But once you have the disease and recover from it, you have now antibodies. So now you're immune to it. So you've, you've as far as you're concerned, you're not going to get it again. The people who lived through smallpox and had it would not get it again. The second plague was in the third century, starting about the year 250, we believe was the measles. Now, measles to us isn't such a big deal, but if you have no antibodies to them and is new to your society, it is uh, devastating, similar to the smallpox in terms of the, the number of people killed. And the same thing happened. Christians were out bravely nursing to people. It reduced the death toll by two-thirds. And people looked at these Christians. They said, you know, this is, this is something. These people are, are saving lives, and they have hope. Even when they die, they have hope. And that's something different. So Christianity grew in this early thing. I believe that these, these early apostolic Christians, these people following the way, are actually a model for us. Jesus is certainly a model for all of us, but they were closer to the time period and acted in ways that followed Jesus' model greater than we do. We have formalized religion. We've, we've set up these external rules, these religious rules that, that are not in Jesus' way, and we need to come back to that. Absolutely, and, and uh, something else that was sneaking into the, uh, the church at the time, but they really fought against, was the legalistic, which is, which is where the church has, has gone. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about the 5,000, like 5,000 people, and this was at a time also where, you know, the world population isn't anywhere near what it is now. 5,000 people a day even in a in a, a a major city would be would be something that would be difficult to handle now let alone you know around the first or second centuries where they didn't have any of 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 the modern technologies and plus everything that happened with you know when you have bodies lying around i mean bad things happen it's pretty interesting how i i'm, I'm observing when people do what you are supposed to do, what we are called to do. You go out and, you know, you love your, your Lord God with all your heart, love your neighbors as yourself. Go out, spread the word, spread Christianity, spread the way. When people have, have done that, how, how more people lived. And the ones that stayed inside, stayed inside because, you know, well, it would be, it would be common sense, right? It would be common sense to stay inside because if you go outside, you might get infected. So what, what do you do? Oh, you stay inside and you stay in your silos. Huh. Huh. Gosh, that, that sounds familiar to me. But <laughs> no, I, I don't know where I, that came from. I, I just, it, you know, it, it sounds familiar to me. But it is, it, it's, 
it's almost the opposite of what you think. But this is a, a great example of when you follow God's way, it may not seem like in all common sense is saying, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust and I'm going to follow his way. And, and look what happens. The people that stay inside are the ones that get sick, the ones that go outside, although many of them still get sick, which in a plague, chances are you will get sick. But the survival rate, the survival rate is higher for for these reasons. And all you're doing is obeying God and taking care of your neighbor. That's a great, I think that is a great lesson for us moving forward. Oh, absolutely it is. And that's, it's meant to, it's meant to be actually in this day and time. We're so smart, aren't we? We, we know everything there is to know about everything. And yet there's so much for us to learn. We lack wisdom. We have knowledge, but we lack wisdom. These early people lacked they didn't understand what even this was. They were just helping their neighbor. They didn't. They didn't know anything about germs or you know what was the cause. They had some suspicions at what what caused these things. All they did was love their neighbor, and in so doing, Christianity flourished. Because what happened was the pagans saw the Christians and what they were doing, and they were a model for who you would want to be. And many of the pagans became Christians. Also, lots of the pagans died, so there were fewer pagans. And of course, the Christians lived because they had a 89% survival rate because they nursed each other. And so the Christian, the Christian church, the Christian community grew as the pagan community dropped because of these plagues. And it's just, it shows. And like you said a second ago, Pat, I think it's important for us to continually realize that we are people of the way. We are meant to love our neighbor, even at some risk. We're meant to love our neighbor. We're not meant to hide somewhere from the world. We're meant to be in the world, helping the world. And there's examples of that in this in the early church. There's examples of that today. We need to be those examples in this world in which we live today. Absolutely. And we can't be, you know, like in, in, in these cases, we shouldn't, no, we shouldn't go on a fool's gambit. Um, but, you know, death is not something to, to fear and be avoided at all costs because there's, there's a price to, and I think we're seeing the price that that we uh, that we've paid over the last couple of years for staying inside and shutting everything down and getting our silos it, it, and and just shutting everyone else out. We weren't we weren't meant to do that. God did not mean for us uh, to do that. It's kind of interesting. My it was interesting to me because we were talking about this a little bit earlier too. Because if you look at the first century Christians uh, and you take a look at it on paper, I, I think most people would say. Hmm. You know that's uh, that that's probably not going to go very well. Um, you have a, a a belief that is pretty much pacifist that that believes in helping others before yourself. Um, that's that's not going to go well, especially in the brutal world for which we lived. However, the interesting thing to me is that if you really look at it and think about it, it's probably the only faith that could have grown because it was such an opposition to what was going on in the world at the time. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, if there was a religion, a new religion, and it was going to fight Rome, it wouldn't have worked. No. Rome was the most powerful military in the world to that time. And uh, facing them head on as fighters would have been, as you said, a fool's errand. It would have been just silly. That would have had no chance. But doing just the opposite, this, this religion based on loving each other, being kind to each other, taking care of other people is is more than it can take. A religion of love 
overcomes hate, no matter what. It overcomes this military power, this religion of love. We need to remember that. We need to remember who Christ was and how he acted, and we need to model that. That's the whole point of this people of the way, I believe, is that we need, you and I need to model that, and we need to understand that there's going to be some risk to modeling that, to helping our neighbors there's going to be a risk to it. There's going to be a personal risk. There's going to be potentially all kinds of different risks, but they're risks worth taking because we are meant to model the life of Jesus Christ in this time. And not to hide away from the culture, but to be within the culture, not to be of the culture, but in the culture. Yes, and it's not to rely on our own wisdom and understanding and intelligence because that's when we get in trouble. And it's 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 a very natural thing to do and to want to do because it is more difficult to take a step and allow a God that you can't see, that you can't touch or feel, that you just have to have faith that he is there. Uh, you, you let his Holy Spirit guide you. And that, I understand that is, that is a huge step of faith, especially since a lot of the times, just like this, um, you're taking a look at it and on paper, you're saying that's, that's not a good idea. Uh, and the Bible is riddled with it. We were talking about David and Goliath, like who thought that was a good idea, but we're not, we're relying on human wisdom and, and not God's and great things happen when you rely on God's wisdom to guide you rather than your own wisdom to guide you. But that's a difficult that's a difficult step, but it's one we need to do more and more. Absolutely. We need to do it, and we need to follow this way. And one of the ways you have to follow the way, because it's so countercultural, so different than everything we've learned, we need to take a breath. We need to have patience. We need to realize that God is in charge and that we are not. And we just need to ask God for guidance as to what we should do, how we should do it, who we should be uh, associating with. We need all of those things. And it starts with, I believe, with patience and with prayer, patience and prayer, looking to, you know, what should I do? But then it requires action. It isn't just sitting about and and thinking about what we ought to do. It requires action. We have to do these things. We can't just talk about them. We need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And it's important. It will make us different. That's why we circle back to where we started here, talking about I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. We're the one way to God is through Jesus Christ. And it's a welcome. It's not It's not meant to be so exclusionary that, oh, people can't get it. No, it shows you a path of how you can get it. That's the important thing, I think, in this. Don't you, Pat? Absolutely. It, and it's, it is something that's open to, it's something that's open to everyone. And there's, is, there are certain things, even though it's, it, it has changed over the years, and I think we need to get more back to more of this first century church, but there's there, the one thing that hasn't changed is when outsiders observe the church, they, they take a look at, at Christians and say, you know, you, you, you're just different. You're different. Well, how are you different? And we're different in the way that we interact with the world and, and the, the way that we show love and, and kindness to others. And even if you don't think it's getting noticed, it is getting noticed. It is getting noticed. And people are noticing it. And there's there are discussions. I was was looking at discussions earlier this week from Pliny, the governor, writing a letter to to an emperor talking about you know these Christians. What do I do with these Christians? But they just they seem to to have this abundance love for each other, and the guy didn't understand it, which is kind of sad. But I I think there are certain things that that uh, have carried forward, and and uh, that's that's one of them is that 
our love for human beings. And it's not always easy, especially when I'm in Beltline traffic, but it's an important thing for us to, to model, uh, model ourselves after Christ in the way we, we interact with others. Absolutely. And they will see, they'll see we are Christians by the way that we love. That's just the truth of it, isn't it? You know, Pat and I started this whole project with a quote from C.S. Lewis, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I believe that's true, and Pat believes it's true, and we, we based our lives on this fact that Christianity is indeed true, and if it is true, it is infinitely important. I pray that you will come to this this understanding that that Christ will be the leader of your life. I pray that he already is, and if he isn't, I pray that he shall be. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for this understanding of the way. May we follow the way. May we follow your way, Lord. May we understand it to be what you have said it is. You have said is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through you. Lord, may we come to you. May we come to the Father through you. May we have eternal life as we go forward. And while we live here on this earth, may we honor you. May we model after you. And may we bring people towards you in Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen.